Hello and welcome back to Poppycock Podcast with your host, Victor Pacheco, stand-up comedian, substitute teacher, and human rights activist. <laughs> I could say that now because I stood up for my human rights recently when I got stopped by the TSA. Okay, listen, I don't know all the facts for defunding the police, but if defunding the police means defunding all forms of people who have guns and people that can put you in jail then we need to fucking defund the tsa the transportation security administration or agency or whatever they are like i'm gonna be put on some watch list because i'm mentioning them but you guys are assholes and i didn't even fucking register a complaint with what happened to me but this is what happened i'm coming back from the seattle international airport SeaTac. And I go through the security like everybody else. But the thing that's different about me is that I'm a fat fuck. So me having to take off my shoes is a problem. And that sucks because I'm already out of breath as it is. And now you want me to bend over, take off my shoes, take them off, put them into the fucking the, the bin so you guys can look through them and make sure that I don't have any type of explosives or whatever. That's okay. That's cool. You know, I'm an American. I dig security. That's fine. Whatever. Okay. You're going to do that. You know, you make me take everything out of my pockets. You know, I have like like $200 cash on me, which is like a lot of money for me, like a lot, a lot of money. And so I can't lose that. And so I put all that stuff in the bin. I'm with my wife. She gets through security. No problem. I go through the metal detector. They're like, oh, no, no, sorry. You're going to have to go through this other um, type of machine. And this machine is like an x-ray machine that you go through and they have these like little foot marks on the ground where you're supposed to place your feet and then you lift your hands up you lift them up nice and good and uh the the this transparent plastic just goes around you like this uh, around your body while you're in this tube um kind of like a cat scan or mri mri and so um I was in there, and then, like, I don't know, these alarms went off, and I, I I walk out of the machine, and one of the TSA agents tells me that there is a lot, there is something large that's showing up on the x-ray that's on my chest and both sides of my stomach, and I said, that's fat, because I'm a fat ass, and he didn't think that was funny, and when all those machines went off, like, maybe five more TSA agents came out including that one that was there. So there was at least six TSA agents around me scaring me, okay? And they didn't think my joke about, you know, me saying that I was fat was funny, you know, because it's a very serious moment right there in the security checkpoint. So one of the TSA agents said, well, you're going to have to lift up your shirt so we can find out what's going on or we're going to have to take you into the back room. And I said... I'm not going to lift up my shirt. That's an invasion of privacy. And he said, well, if you don't, we're going to have to go to the room right now and we're going to have to do a further inspection. And, you know, I've heard of what happens in those further inspections and I did not want to be subjected to that. So what I did was in the spur of the moment, because I didn't want to, you know, possibly get a latex finger up my ass. I dropped my pants in front of everybody and lifted up my shirt to expose my fat belly and my fat titties. And a different TSA agent said, that's, de that's indecent exposure. To which I respond, that TSA agent over there 
told me to lift up my shirt. So I just took it a step further and I dropped my pants. You guys definitely know I'm not hiding anything, okay? Not hiding no weapons. I'm not hiding no shame. That's 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 what's up. So then I got back room. They took me to the back room, and I confronted one of the TSA agents. One of the TSA agents. There was two TSA agents. They were both males. I requested a female because if I'm gonna get roughed up by somebody in the back room, I wanted to be a lady, not no dude. All due respect. But that's just how I feel. But at any rate, I'm in the back room with these two dudes. And one of them, the, the the main dude that's, like, talking to me, he's got this, like, huge shield around his face to protect him from COVID. But it also looks like he's, like, a military police or riot police. He looks like a scary motherfucker with a lot of authority. And so I'm in the back room. And I, I just tell him straight up, I'm like, hey, listen, dude, this shit wouldn't be happening to me if I was white. You're just fucking with me because I'm Mexican. So then he takes out his phone and he shows me. A picture of a skinny Mexican woman. He's like, yeah, this this is my wife. And I said, you know what? That just means that you got a real excuse to hate Mexicans because you're married to one. Okay? And I know what's happening right now. And you know what? That's fucked up. And then I noticed that the, the guy behind him was putting on that late, the latex gloves. And I got really nervous because <laughs> you know what happens when they put on the latex gloves. And even though it's <laughs> it's COVID time and people put on latex gloves to go to um, the supermarket, uh, this guy was not at the supermarket. He was in the back room with me and another TSA agent, you know, so they could act as witnesses as to what's going on. So I got nervous. And the guy putting on the gloves says, all right, well, you're going to have to get on the table right there. Get on your knees on the table. Lean forward with your arms. And I'm like, oh, God, this is crazy. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I just was like, fuck it. If I'm going to get anally fingered by the TSA, I'm going to have a good time. So I did, as he said, I got on my knees on the table and I put my arms out and I just put my ass in the air and I just seductively waved it at the TSA agent. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you like that? You like that? Ooh, if I had an OnlyFans page, would you subscribe to it so you could see me spread my butthole? I really said that to him. I didn't give a fuck. That guy was about to fucking finger my asshole. So I was just like, whatever. So uh, he actually just pats the sides of my, like, my hips, the inside of my thighs. He didn't even, like, get near my butt crack or butthole, and he told me I was free to go. So instead of walking out calmly, I walked out making a scene, and I just expressed how I was feeling, and I said, thank you guys so much for helping keep the safety around here and by violating my human rights, everybody. Thank you guys so much for happening. This shit would have never happened if I was white, though. I'm going to change my name to Vincent Patterson. Fuck Victor Pacheco. I'm now Vincent Patterson because I don't want to get stopped by TSA for being a fat fuck with tits and a stomach that shows up on the x-ray, okay? Because that was just harassment. I didn't need that shit. That was fucked up. So I am fucking screaming and hollering, and then my wife says, you know what? You need to sit down right now, right here. You need to calm the fuck down. So all I did was I sat down, and I pulled out my phone, and I recorded a video for Instagram, my for my news story on the Instagram, and uh, about how displeased I was and about what just happened, and I'm screaming into my phone, and then I hear my wife start screaming at me, so I end the conversation, I end the video explaining what I just explained right now, and what my wife was screaming at me about was that I'm screaming really loud and 
um, there's a lot of kids right there. And so I stopped the video and I told my wife, who gives a fuck if I'm swearing? All these kids are being homeschooled right now because of COVID. You don't think they're being fucking cursed at by their shitty ass parents or even worse teachers? You really want me to watch my language after these parents don't watch their fucking language? Fuck that shit. I'm not even at work and I just had my human rights violated because these assholes scared the fuck out of me and took me to a back room for no fucking reason. And then as I'm sitting down, calming down, but I was not calming down whatsoever. I'm just confronted by this black woman with dreads who obviously works for the airport or TSA. And she's like, excuse me, sir, do we have a problem? I was like, yes, we do. I just had my, vi my, my human rights violated right now. And it was not cool because this would have never happened to me if I was white. And these people need to know about that because this is racism right here. And this is proof. I just lived it. And she said, sir, am I going to have to call the cops? I'm like, ma'am, all due respect, but you're a black woman. You know what the cops do to black and brown people when they're called. And you're threatening to call the cops on me because I'm voicing my concerns about how my human rights were violated right now by being taken into the back room by, uh, by, by an agency of the government. That's fucked up. Okay? Like, you're really going to call the cops on me? And she left to call the cops on me. And three cops approached me and they asked me how I was doing. I'm like, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm cool. I'm not making a disturbance. I'm just sitting right here. Then they left. And I felt so betrayed because that, that woman fucking caught the cops on me after I gave my spiel about, you know, what the cops do. And that's fucked up because I could have got shot for no reason. And I'm going to tell you another thing, too. This TSA was fucking terrible because they didn't even find the fucking joint that I had in my fucking backpack or the two lighters. They didn't find a goddamn thing in there. What the fuck is the TSA getting paid for? You're not supposed to have fucking lighters on your carry-on. I had two fucking lighters that I had to buy in Washington because I was scared to put them in my bag on the way there. I was scared to put weed on the way there. I should have brought fucking weed there because the weed in Washington is fucking terrible at the clubs. And you know what? If you sell and grow for the clubs, fuck you. Your weed is fucking terrible. I don't I don't agree with it. I mean, you guys do have gram joints for $5, which is cool if you're on a budget. But if you're like me and you're recovering drug addict from certain drugs, I'm still a drug addict, but I'm recovering from certain drugs like heroin. I used to freebase that shit on tinfoil. My lungs are fucked up. I can't be smoking mediocre to shitty weed, okay? So Washington, you have shitty to mediocre weed. I don't want to. I don't want to smoke that shit. I don't want to be a part of that shit. But I will tell you one thing though. I was grateful for smoking that shit when I was smoking it. I really was because you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. And I'm gonna tell you right now, the world is divided, even amongst weed smokers. Okay, I had recently quit a group that I was involved in on facebook it was a south park themed weed group called integrity farms and i was a part of this group and they i don't know if they there's people that join just to troll or if these weed smokers are actually like this butthurt about what other people fucking post but there's always a divide no matter what people put on somebody puts on a picture of a backwood blunt people are like ill backwards are gross those taste like shit i only smoke dutch dutch masters 
You know, that's the difference between a $2.50 cigar and a $3 cigar. And, like, there's a divide between them. There's a divide between joint smokers. And even today, today, I had to quit the group because I saw a divide because some guy posted, oh, I'm just taking a Sunday to relax and enjoy my integrity, which is like, an, like how they say really good weed, the integrity. This weed has integrity. So this is my integrity. And this dude showed this weed and like he had different compartments within a grinder. Like, you know, some of it's uh, crushed up by the grinder. Some of it's still full buds. And then people are commenting, talking about if you use a grinder, you're just a little fucking kid. And people are arguing back and forth. Like, how is there a divide amongst weed smokers when weed smokers are supposed to be the most peaceful people on the planet? Like, if you are tripping off other person's weed that you're not even smoking, that they're not trying to sell for you, I understand if you're trying to buy weed and somebody presents you really shitty weed or subpar weed or weed that, like, was not the picture that they sent you or described to you and it's totally different. Like, I understand that. I understand th that type of criticism. But for a random stranger to post, hey, this is the weed that I'm growing uh, and it's really like going to be really awesome. And I I'm just like expressing that I'm part of this community, too, because I also grow. Then somebody else will come in with their picture of like, this is my farm and these are my 2000 plants and this is a $10,000 lighting system and blah, blah. It's like, dude, just don't compare yourself to other people. Why are you doing this? And that's just on the Internet in a stupid fucking group. That's not real life. That's not how real life is, okay? If there's anything that I learned in college that's true, it's, it's, it, it's, and I'll tell you guys, it's, it's the same thing. It, it, it is the, I think it was called the American War Machine or the American Football or the Football War Machine. So pretty much the, the NFL puts a lot of money into advertising their, their company, their players, like everything like you know then there's endorsements with nike and all this stuff that makes these athletes into celebrities into somebody that you celebrate somebody that you know somebody that you recognize somebody that makes a lot of money so the reason why we do this is the same reason why in ancient rome they would have all these gladiator games they'd have man against man man against beast they would throw Christians at the lions. They would crucify the Christians. They would even do really gross-ass shit that I'm going to tell you right now that you might not believe fucking research it, but they would even entertain the crowds by putting men and women in the hides of female donkeys. They would be in the hides of them, so all the pheromones from the female donkey would be right there, and they would get a male donkey to rape that person to death with that big old donkey dick. They would die from internal bleeding, both men and women, whether it was anally or vaginally. That's the type of damage that was done. That was entertainment. They would do this type of entertainment to take attention away from all the corruption that the government is doing. The government is part of this problem, okay? The government is making a big deal. We never used to do the fucking national anthem before a certain fucking year, and now we do the national anthem. And now certain players want to kneel for the national anthem because they're like, fuck that, police brutality, police brutality, police brutality. And they didn't even fuck me up, TSA. They didn't. But, you know, I was humiliated. I did feel inferior. I did feel like they took away my rights, and that was just TSA. 
What about all the cops and sheriffs around California that pulled out their guns on me because they're scared of me because I'm a big brown person? Do you know what that's like? It fucking sucks because you can't even make a fucking joke out of it because people are like, oh, he's just trying to get politically correct. And it's just like, no, there's realism to all this stuff that happens, okay? There's a cause and effect, okay? Even if you don't believe in institutionalized racism or the industrial prison complex or industrial military complex, then really there, there's a lot of things that we don't have in common. And I'm not going to be condescending. I'm not going to be this type of person that talks down to you and tells you, hey, well, you need to research it. Because you know what? To tell you the truth, you don't need to research anything that you don't want to research. Because a lot of people don't want to research anything, and that's their right. It's their right to be informed about what they want to be informed about and live their life how they want to. And that's why we have so many problems in America. Because the way people live their lives is at the most basic level that you could function and communicate with other people so you get what you need to survive. And sometimes the only thing people need to survive is food and internet access. And that's it. That's what people need to survive. And if you don't have that, then you can't <laughs> communicate with other people. You can't get the type of entertainment that other people get that they communicate about. And so just talking about certain certain individuals or a certain song or, you know, a certain event that happened, it's just, I, I don't know. We all disagree on a lot, but, you know, we need to start agreeing on a lot of things, too. And I think that no matter what, I'm not just talking about cops right now or TSA or sheriffs or law enforcement, but I'm talking about anybody in general that holds any type of power, management, executives, CEOs, whatever it be. Even a shift leader, a shift leader, these titles make people feel like they have an elevated status where they are superior to other people. And yes, they might be making more money than other people. Uh, they might be, you know, over certain people and like taking care of what they do and managing them. And, you know, yeah, they, like they, they, they're operating, you know, the branch or whatever they're doing. But seriously, people strive for power. People with no power really get off on the idea of having some power where they could affect somebody's lives by giving them the opportunity or denying them the opportunity. And this is on all levels, even in comedy, even in fucking comedy, even at fucking shows that take place at a bar, people still feel superior to other people because they don't run a comedy show or that their comedy show is successful. But dude, it's at a fucking bar. It's at a bar. It's a bar show. I don't give a fuck what type of sign you have, what type of marketing you have. It's a fucking bar show. Don't act like it's not. Unless it's in a theater or in a comedy club, like it's a bar show. Or it's at a it's at a tap house or at a brewery. Or at a winery. Or at a cafe or a cafeteria. I've done shows at a cafeteria. I've done shows at a cafeteria for veterans of foreign wars. With all the lights on and no microphone, okay? You know how fucking intimidating that is? That's intimidating, all right? I've been to prison. Well, yeah, I've performed with no fucking microphone for veterans of foreign wars that are living right there 
like at the same place where they live, where they get lunch every day, where they get dinner every day, where they get breakfast every day. We're getting, we're entertaining them, and the microphone wasn't working. And so, what are we gonna do? Not do the show where we went out there, and you know, I needed that gig, so you know, we do it. And you know, I, that's a cafeteria show, and I love that cafeteria show. But the person who put that show together wasn't expecting me to kiss his ass about it. But some people do because it is part of the hierarchy of what happens. And if people think, like with comedy especially, if I'm able to pay other comedians, then I'm better than other comedians because they're not even providing an opportunity to pay comedians. But what is your definition of paying comedians, okay? Because if you go to an open mic, you ain't going to get nothing. It's going to be zero dollars. If you're lucky, you might get a free drink. You might get a free burger or something, but you, that's it. You're not going to get any money for a free open mic. But for a showcase where you advertise it and you know you have a little deal with a bar where each comedian gets X amount of drinks or whatever, then you know it's kind of expected that you pay the comedians, especially if you charge money at the door or you solicit for tips. You need to pay the comics something. But sometimes you'll do these shows and you'll literally get $7 or $10, or $12, or $15, or $20, and that's the good shows, when you get paid $20 for a 10-minute set, and yeah, I, I'm not complaining about it, I'm not saying that that's unfair, even though I am saying that is a low wage, that, I, you know, I've I've paid myself personally, like 20 bucks, 25 bucks, 30 bucks, but I've also paid 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 150 bucks, 250 bucks, I mean, fuck, Everybody has, I guess what I'm trying to say is everyone has a different budget, but, and everyone has a different mindset, but what some producers expect in terms of kissing their ass to get their stage time and for what it's worth, it's like, dude, you really want me to kiss your ass for 10 or $20 at a bar show? I'm not going to do it. And then now with COVID, I especially don't have to do it. I'm like, fuck all these people. Fuck all these exploiters of talent or, 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 or growing talent or people that may have talent one day that are refining it and polishing it up. And then there's people that won't even give those opportunities because they don't think you're good enough for either personal reasons or because what their friends say about you. And that's what the influence is of having friends, you know? Yeah, this is a lone wolf sport, lone wolf business, where a comedian has to prove themselves. That's true. But also, it's really important to network and to make alliances with people that will vouch for you, that will help you grow by helping you get people's eyes on you who didn't have their eyes on you, and you got to be grateful for all those. Even if you have falling outs with those people that gave you those opportunities, you got to forever be grateful for those opportunities. That's why certain things happen for a reason, even even the falling outs. But when you were in and things were going good, and I'm just being honest, okay? I don't make the most friends, and I don't keep the most friends. I have an over-the-top personality. I don't mean to be. I'm not trying to be combative. I, I Seriously, if I could be everybody's friend, I would. I really would because that, that's so much love I have in my heart. I really love a lot of people, but the truth is people piss me off and I'm very honest about how I feel and then I'll tell them how I feel and then they'll tell fucking 10 or 20 fucking people how I felt and then they'll be like, I don't want to work with this guy because he was honest. He spoke his mind and he was told what everybody was thinking to the person that shouldn't have been told that. 
And I feel that sometimes people need to be told certain things because it's not right. And you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. Some people stand up for the community. People say they stand up for the community. I don't believe that shit. I stand up for myself. If I feel like I'm being exploited or underpaid, I'll say something. Like, especially, like, if I have to travel, like, 90 minutes to get somewhere, and then at the end of the night, I only get $20, 90 minutes. That's an hour and a half to get there, another hour and a half to get back. That's three hours, plus the duration of the show, which is 90 minutes. That's four and a half hours for $20. It's not worth it. Then you got to wait for the show to start, and then you have to wait to get paid after the show finishes. So let's just say that's 15 minutes per, which it's not. I'm being generous here. That's five hours for $20. That's $4 an hour. Plus, you got to pay to get there with the gas. You got to borrow a car, or if you have a car, you got no matter what, you got to be cautious. You don't get a speeding ticket because that's going to cost even more money. I've gotten a speeding, I've gotten a $300 speeding ticket for a show. That, caught, that I got paid $50 for that I went all the way to Ukiah from Oakland to feature, to do 25 minutes. And then I was promised there was going to be 100 people at the show and I was going to get paid way more than what I got paid because there was going to be like hundreds of people there. And there was 19 people there. But did I bitch and groan? No. Did I do less of a job? Did I, did I just phone it in because I was pissed? No. I wasn't even pissed. I just felt lied to, which is disappointed. And being disappointed and being pissed are two different things. No matter what, if you're pissed or disappointed or both before you go on stage, it's going to affect your performance. And that's how you got to think about it before you go on stage. Some people are like, I'm going to just tell my jokes as opposed to I need to entertain this crowd. And sometimes you got to say and do certain things that are a little bit different in order to effectively get into the crowd's heart so then you could be yourself and they'll accept you for who you are. But you got to test the waters by knowing the waters and, and going out. There. And this could help you in, in other aspects of your life. But maybe not. Maybe what you do, you actually cannot express how you're because, you know, in comedy, you're not supposed to express, how you're, especially where I'm at. I have no TV credits. I have uh, nothing like, you know, like like anything like. Like that, like I don't have a TV deal that I could lose right now if I say something stupid. Like right now, the worst thing that could happen to me is that my employer finds out about this podcast and says, "Hey, you can't be saying truths like that and expect to work as a substitute teacher, so you're fired." And I'm gonna tell you the truth: if that happens, well, that sucks. But <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to get fired. It's COVID, though. Like seriously, like there's not like. I'm at the point, dude, I'll teach Chinese kids how to speak English. And by Chinese kids, I mean Chinese students. I don't know how old they are. I'm 35. So I'm thinking anyone that's willing to pay to learn English is a kid compared to me. So I'm not saying that in a condescending way, like, hey, kid. But, you know, because I care about what people think. You know, like, if I think that certain people are fucking me over, I will try to make sure they don't fuck me over and that other people know that they are trying to fuck people over. That's me. Oh, that's snitching. That's not snitching. It's not snitching when you let people know about a scam that's going on. How's that snitching? Is that telling about the business and like, you know, like what you're not supposed to tell people? It's like, dude, I'm not going on TV about it. I'm just telling people that should be concerned about it, people that I care about, you know? 
like my personal friends. Like I've learned not to go into group into groups on Facebook and express how I feel about certain topics or how I feel like I'm being censored or exploited. I don't do that with groups anymore. Just with my closest friends because my closest friends are the only ones that I really care about. And you know what? If you're just a casual acquaintance, I appreciate you for being casual and acquainting yourself with me. But if you're the type of person that only calls me when you're drunk as fuck, I don't appreciate that. I really don't. It actually really bothers me when certain people, and it's more than like five different people who have to get so fucked up to call me. And dude, you don't need to get fucked up to call me, okay? I'm not some chick that you're trying to have sex with. I'm some fat Mexican dude. You could say whatever the fuck you want to me in your regular temperament without getting drunk. But I feel like if you're getting drunk and you're calling me, you're like on a Rolodex of motherfuckers you could talk to and all those people didn't pick up and then now you're calling me. And me, stupid ass, I pick up the phone and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And if you're drunk and you call me just for a little bit, that's cool. But if you call me to tell me about how your life's falling apart and I have no idea what you're even up to, and you just want to fucking fill me in on how your life is crazy. Like, if we're not good friends, like, don't call me like that, okay? I am a shoulder to cry on. I do make posts on Facebook where I tell people that if you're feeling depressed or suicidal, give me a call or hit me up on my Facebook Messenger and let's talk there. And, yeah, that's true because, to tell you the truth, I unfriend people on my Facebook and unfollow people on my Instagram or block them when I don't give a fuck about them. Like, if that's happened to you, that's fucking, you know, that, that sucks because I have a lot of love in my heart and you betrayed me and I don't give a shit about you. Or I've asked you for help a bunch of times and you're just like, fuck you. Or you lie to me. If you fucking lie to me, I hate that shit. Tell me the fucking truth. Seriously, be blunt. Tell me the truth. I'm not good enough for your shows. I, I remember that. I know I'm not good enough for certain shows, but I also know that the people you book aren't good enough for your show either, so I don't know what the fucking problem is. And you know what? I'm going to fucking publish this, and I don't give a fuck what people have to say because I work my fucking ass off to make fucking crowds laugh, even when they're not interested in the show or they fucking hate me because I'm not good looking or because I'm Mexican. And I've been in those situations a lot of fucking times. You know, like people expect me to be a good looking person. I'm not good looking. Sorry to disappoint. And I've also been in situations where, you know, I am being ridiculed and heckled because I'm Mexican and I've had to call people out and uh, I've had that happen to me in Reading. I've had that happen to me in Ukiah. Uh, dude, like I've had it happen to me. Like uh, I don't need to say that. I haven't been like, you know, I've gone through racism, even through racist crowds in California. And, you know, I haven't been to the South. I haven't been to Alabama where they hate Mexicans. Not yet, but I'll go. I'll do my whole set talking like this if I have to. Doing a whole character, knowing the crowd saying, hey, I know you hate you ding dong Mexicans. But I ain't no Mexican. I'm a proud Simone lesbian woman going through hormonal treatment. That's right. I'm half white, the good half. I know my fucking crowds, you know? I play to those fucking crowds because I want to have a good time. I want to make those people my fans. I want them to be on board with me. I want them to like me. People might call that pandering, but I call that professionalism, where you're able to read your crowd and tell them 
hey, I know what you're going through, and I feel that in my heart, too. So let's have a good time together, and let's make this show the greatest show you've ever been to, and let's let's try it out. Let's let's go out. Let's go all out. You know, you got to go all out when you're on stage. If you don't go all out when you're on stage, you're denying yourself and everybody a good comedy show. And, you know, that includes me, too. You know, like, it's hard right now doing Zoom shows because I got this one joke where I talk about how I fuck my wife like an elephant. And uh, actually, I don't say I fuck my wife like an elephant. I say we make love like elephants. Okay, a huge difference. I started that joke originally saying I fuck my wife like an elephant, but that kind of polarizes audiences. Some of them are like, that's hilarious. And some of them are like, that's really vulgar. Why are you fucking your wife like an elephant? You shouldn't fuck your wife like an elephant. But if you make love to your wife like an elephant, that's entirely different because that is funny. You're juxtaposing making love to your wife with an elephant as opposed to fucking. That's not juxtaposing. That's just vulgar. But at any rate, you know, these are just, you know, literary terms that some people use and are are unaware of or don't use and are unaware of or whatever. And I'm, again, not talking down to people. If there's like words that I use that you don't know, look them up. I don't think I'm smarter than you. I just paid attention during classes because I used to get really fucking high before classes and I used to take the test really high on weed. And that's why I do hella good, because I retain all the fucking memory. They say the fucking weed affects your short-term memory. But if you've been smoking weed for a long time, it doesn't affect your short-term memory, okay? You become tolerant to it. You become a new type of beast that people can't fuck with because your nerves are calm and you are ready for whatever the world has to bring you. And that's the thing about potheads that gets overlooked all the time is the potheads are the calmest, coolest people on the planet. Okay, for the most part. Not me. I'm bipolar. I have substance abuse disorder. I have panic attack disorder. I have generalized anxiety. I have bipolar syndrome. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going on with me that I'm not asking for you guys to be like, oh, that poor guy is going through a lot mentally. No wonder he's so fat and has panic attacks. I'm not asking for that. <laughs> I'm not asking for any of that. I'm just wanting to keep it real because you know what? We all have our own quirks and we all short circuit different ways. We all need our own forms of coping that help us get us to the next stage in our life or the next week in our life or the next day in our life or even the next hour in our life because that's how certain people that abuse drugs who are sober see it. Like, you got to look at it by not just the day, not just by the week. You got to look at it by the hour, by the minute, by the second of you not using. But I'm not sober. And I will say that these techniques, though, used for my depression have helped me get me through the days. Because, you know, being sad sometimes. What the fuck do you have to be sad about, Victor? I'm fucking in chronic pain all the time. My job fucking sucks. Uh, I'm ridiculed for what I look like, not just because I'm fat, but also because I'm Mexican. Also, I throw people off when I introduce myself to them. Instead of saying hi or hello, I say howdy. And that throws people the fuck off because they don't know if I'm Mexican. They don't know if I'm American. They don't know if I'm Texican. They don't know if I'm a Tejano. They don't know what the fuck I am. I'm like, mahalo. <laughs> it's just people have no idea. And that's why I like to fuck with people. But. Yeah, dude. It's been pretty crazy, though, man. That TSA situation was fucking crazy. 
coming back from Washington. And while I was in Washington, something else crazy happened to me. I don't know if I should be sharing this. I'm not going to say any names, obviously, but this was crazy to me. And this is the first time I'm talking about it publicly. But last week when I was in Seattle, I was grilling some steaks for, you know, my wife, her twin sister and her family. So, you know, my family, my in-laws, I'm cooking up these steaks on the grill and I get this instant message from this Mexican dude who tells me in Spanish, you look great. You're really good. And I'm just like, thank you in Spanish. And this conversation was in Spanish. Like, gracias. He said, the best, the best, no, estás muy bueno. And I was like, gracias. And he's like, you look good. And I was like, thank you. And then he's asking me all these questions. Like, what do you, oh, he asked me, how come you haven't invited me to a show? And I was all like, I don't know where do you live. And he's like, Richmond. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So what's up? And then he's all like, I want to suck your dick. And I was like, dude, are you serious? Nobody ever messaged me. Nobody's ever messaged me. I'm 35 years old. Nobody's ever messaged me to tell me that they wanted to suck my dick. Nobody. And this random guy on Instagram who's been reacting to my stories, who's been liking my posts that I post on Instagram, and he messages me telling me that he wants to suck my dick. So then me, as a curious dude, I'm not interested. I'm just curious because I want to take this conversation on to the next level. I ask him, so why do you want to suck my dick? And then he said, because you're handsome. And I, was, I started blushing. I'm like, you really think I'm handsome? He's like, yeah. Me gustan los gorditos, which is Spanish for I like the fat ones. And so I, I asked him, I was like, well, why do you like fat guys? And then he said, well, since I was a little kid, I've always liked fat guys. And then I said, well, what would you do to me? And he said, I'd do anything you want me to do. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, I'd kiss you from head to toe. I'd suck your dick and I'd lick your asshole. And I'm like, dude, that's fucking gross. Because I post pictures of me and videos of me. And if I'm the type of dude that he's attracted to, I don't mean to kink shame him. But, dude, I wouldn't fuck me. I'm surprised I've even gotten laid as many times as I've gotten laid by the amount of women that have fucked me. Like, I am surprised by that. And the, this dude's willingness to, like, want to fuck me and have sex with me and please me and make me happy. And you know what I told him in response to that? I said, yeah, dude, I'm sorry, but dudes, dudes don't give me a boner. And he said, I'll try my hardest, man. I'll do whatever I have to do to get you hard. And I was like, dude. This guy's a fucking trooper. I need this guy to talk to my wife because <laughs> she could get some lessons from this dude. No, but at any rate, um, <laughs> that shit was crazy, man. It made me really, it threw me off. And, of course, I'm not interested at all. I told him, hey, man, I'm just, fuck, I'm just fucking around. And, you know, I just wanted to see what you'd say. But to tell you the truth, I'm straight and I'm married. And then he's like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to disrespect you and your wife and your marriage or anything. But if you know any other gorditos I want to fuck around, let me know, please. And I was like, fuck you, dude. I thought I was fucking special. I thought you thought I thought you thought I was like a handsome motherfucker that you exclusively wanted to fuck. But you're just a fucking chubby chaser. You're a fat 
fucker. You just fuck fat guys and you don't give a fuck who they are or what their feelings are about because you got my hopes up and then you hurt my feelings and I wasn't even interested. And then this dude just comes out of the woodwork and makes me even more insecure about myself. Like, you know, he wasn't wanting to have sex with me because I'm special. He wanted to have sex with me because I'm the type of dude that he wants to have sex with. And I looked at the other dudes that he followed, and they're all <laughs> different forms of me. They're all different fat Mexican guys with a the beard. They're <laughs> like they're all different fat white guys with a beard. And it's just like, dude, I get it. That's cool. I like that you have your own like preference. I have my own preference too. I like chubby Mexican women or chubby brown women. You know, Persian, black. You know, just I like chubby white women too. You know, I like. If you're chubby, I like skinny ladies. Okay, I like all ladies. All right. But seriously, this dude laid it on really fucking thick, and he told me what was happening, and I was just like, dude, that's fucking crazy, man. Like, I, I really was both disgusted and flattered at the same time. <laughs> and there's nothing against him because that really did raise my hopes and made me feel it gave. Okay, listen, the thrill of just waiting to hear what he'd respond to with what I was saying, that was a thrill in itself because I'm giggling my ass off, grilling these steaks, and he's responding pretty quick. I think he thinks I'm in Oakland, and he told me he was in Richmond. And so it made it sound like, based on a conversation, you know, this hookup might happen today, even though it was last week during, during the time of COVID. He was down. He was down to get that COVID from Thick Vic over here. You know, then that's crazy. You know, it's really fucking crazy when people decide to fuck right now during the COVID. It's really crazy when people decide they want to do outside comedy shows during the COVID. It's so fucking crazy when people put their lives at risk just for instant gratification that that's going to only happen for just a little bit. The memory might be there forever, but so might the illness. But listen, I know there's a lot of people out there that consider this a conspiracy theory that have not worn a mask the entire time, that have communicated and congregated with people in person, and that they show no symptoms. And, you know, maybe they're asymptomatic, you know, but they really think that this is a hoax. But a lot of fucking people have already fucking died from it, you know, since it has been out there. And I'm taking my precautions, okay? Uh, you know, I haven't even visited my parents this whole time and it's been fucking crazy. Like to tell you the truth, it feels like my parents have died and I could talk to them through voicemail and it's crazy because it's like not real because I haven't seen them in person and that sucks and that hurts. But, you know, I'm not out there, you know, talking about how depressed I am about that. That's like, you know, that sucks, though. That really does suck. You know, I hope they're doing good. You know, I try to check up in on them, but talking to them is hard because it's like, fuck, it's so hard to talk to people you can't see. And that's what sucks about COVID because it feels like it's like just alienating certain parts of your life, especially if you're trying to be a stand-up comic or you are a stand-up comic and you're trying to get booked. You're trying to get the attention of bookers, managers, comedy clubs, um, uh, executives, people that can really make your life better. Not easier, but better because they'll give you more opportunities to perform in front of different crowds, in front of different venues, in front of different owners. And, you know, th that kind of sounds like bullshit if you don't believe in yourself. But if you do believe in yourself, you know, there's a lot that you could accomplish out there, you know. 
it, it's nonstop because as soon as you get off stage, you still have the opportunity to revise what you just performed or you have the opportunity to create new content, all right, and flow with what you know. And if what you know is just certain things, you talk about that, but also go out of your comfort area to help peop- to help yourself discover new people, discover new life stories, you know. Because, like, when you talk to somebody, even if you think that you have nothing in common with them, you, you do share a life experience on the same earth. And you find out that you have more similarities than you do have differences with the frustrations that the normal person goes through every day. And so that's why, as a comedian, you need to put yourself out there, put yourself in certain situations that you normally wouldn't be in. So that's why me, as a substitute teacher and a stand-up comedian, I will take certain gigs in certain parts of the Bay Area that are forgotten by mainstream education that's now alternative education or high needs education. You know what high needs means? High Okay, so I worked for a high needs school district that shall rena- remain nameless. A school district in Oakland that you could say is unified. I won't say which one, but it's a unified school district in Oakland. I'm not going to say which one, but that is considered a high needs school district where there is needs for students that have high needs due to extreme poverty or because uh, the lack of family and lack of community. And you're like, this ain't no big deal. I'll just go to it. And you go to it and you're like, holy shit. People really live like this and then they have kids and then they're subjected to live like that too. And you're just like, oh my God, what can I do? And sometimes you can help these kids if they're willing to be helped. But if the kids are not willing to be helped because they feel like they've been betrayed by adults their whole life, their students have been betrayed by adults where they don't have a father or a constant father or male role model or their wife or their mom is is not there, whether because they keep moving from place to place to place or they're homeless or they live in a car. And these are all situations that I've learned about from just working in East Oakland. It's not always fun or funny because, again, it sucks because it's, like, really, really, like, emotionally overwhelming, and then I can't make a fucking joke about it. And I know that sounds selfish, but it's just like, fuck, at the very least I can make a joke about it. How am I going to make a joke about this kid crying and, and, and being hungry? That's not funny. That's not funny at all. But I have learned a lot of life lessons from kids that are not mine that made me really grateful that I don't have kids it made me really grateful that I don't get to disappoint anybody during Christmas because I'm currently unemployed because of the pandemic I get to look forward to not you know have to plan a kid's birthday party and invite their friends with parents that don't respect me because I don't meet their standards of what a father figure should be because people are always going to be judging you and people are always going to be pointing the finger and making you feel like an asshole even if you did a really good job they'll still compare you to somebody else and say you're not as good as them because there's always somebody better and there's always going to be somebody to f- bring you down and make you feel like you don't matter or you're not important. But the point is you need to overcome that and you need to tell yourself that you're better than that. You need to tell yourself that you can accomplish your goals. You can. But the thing is here real quick, though, before this motivation goes on any further, you need to come up with goals. You need to come up with a timeline for when you're going to finish these goals. Okay. 
You need to have goals you're going to finish this week, goals you're going to finish in the, this month, goals you're going to finish in the next three months, and goals you're going to finish in the next six months. Okay? That's how people need to do it because, like, that's what helped me tremendously, having goals. And you know what? Like, what you need to do to get noticed in certain areas, like, for example, when I'm substitute teaching, I go out of my way to do things that normal substitute teachers don't do. Number one, I'm funny. I'm super funny. I'll say funny things. Uh, I'll, I'll make fun of a student's name, even though you're not supposed to. But the way I do it, they're not going to snitch on me because it is funny. Or like, you know, it's like I'll be like, is Dylan Rojas here? Like Here. I'm like, what type of Mexican name is Dylan? And then everyone starts laughing, including Dylan. Well, Dylan turns a little bright red because it's true. What type of what type of Mexican name is Dylan? But, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, man. You got to make the best of what you got. You got you, you got to help yourself out by making goals and like something you can accomplish, okay? Something that like you want to strive towards doing. But like like I, like I was mentioning earlier, I I I do at school go above and beyond. Like I I am funny number 1. Number 2, I do write the names of scholarships that students can apply for. And I usually work in the East Bay at schools that are predominantly uh, children of color, students of color. They're black and brown kids and Asian kids and so and Middle Eastern kids. And uh, there's like three white kids in each of these schools that I'm talking about in East Oakland. I don't know how they got in there, but there's like three ki- three white kids in each one of these schools. So... I'll put up the names of all of these scholarships that these students can apply for. And I'm like, guys, you just need to have a 3.0 or higher and you get all this free money for for just, you know, being this ethnicity or for, you know, like if you're Mexican, you need to apply for the Hispanic Scholarship Fund, the Chicano Scholarship Fund. the And then like I name all these things like if you're black, there's a Jackie Robinson Foundation Scholarship Fund. There's a Asian Pacific Islander Scholarship Fund. There's like there's a, I forgot what the Middle Eastern one is, but I would post these. I would write these by hand on the wall and I would talk about the importance of school and importance of what you wanted to know and saying that if you don't want to go to college, and you know you want to be a mechanic be the best mechanic you could be learn how to be the best mechanic go to the school pay to go to the school pay to learn from the best so you can be the best too don't let your education stop here in the classroom you got to keep going and that's with every line of work no matter what you're doing even professionals take days off from their regular jobs to get professional development classes that they pay for out of their own pockets and they don't always get reimbursed a lot of times they do get reimbursed they'll get reimbursed by companies that believe that this type of education will help their help this employee perform better which ultimately will result in the company performing better and that company will get more money that company will generate more wealth and it is because of that professional getting the professional development and that's what everybody needs to be doing. People need to be challenging themselves and evolving. I talked about this before, and it's just a constant theme is evolving, okay? And it's hard. It's hard to evolve, especially when you're stuck in the rut and you feel like you're spinning your wheels in the air and you feel like nobody's noticing you and nobody gives a fuck about you. Well, hey, welcome to fucking stand-up comedy. Nobody gives a fuck about you until you have a TV credit. And even when you have a TV credit, that's cool, but you got to keep getting more TV credits so you're not known as a one-hit wonder. And I'm not even at the one TV credit part 
of my show. So it's 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 fine, you know, it's great. But, you know, during COVID and this pandemic and everything, the way things are going, I'm working really hard. I'm going to get a TV credit by the time this pandemic's over. I'm going to be on my 600-pound life because I'm getting so much fucking weight. I'm about to be 400 pounds. So it's hard to buy shirts. I could st- my shop closed during the first three months of the pandemic. Thank God they opened a month ago. I was going crazy. Like, God, I'm never going to be able to buy no more of these circus tents no more. I'm not going to be able to buy any more of these shirts. And that's very sad because, like, Walmart, their fat guy clothes is fucking horrendous. Like, the stitching's not good. The way the pockets are formed, like, like it's, like, doesn't match with the rest. It's just not good. But at any rate, you know, this isn't a fashion podcast. This is a podcast where I bring to you the world of me and what's going on. And, yeah, a lot of shit had happened this week. A lot of shit's going to happen this week, too. Uh, maybe you could join me if you'd like. That'd be really awesome. You could find me at hispanictitanic.com. I posted links to my upcoming shows. I'm going to be hosting at Best of SF Stand-Up Comedy on Saturdays at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So be sure to log in to the Zoom to be part of a virtual audience. That'd be pretty sick. Um, I'm going to revive my Paco the Parrot and Mr. Pacheco psychedelic puppet show soon. I just need to get more supplies to make the, th- the show authentic. And then we're going to be rocking and rolling, baby. Uh, we got that coming up. That's really cool. I just updated my entire website, HispanicTitanic.com. So check that out. I got new videos. I got new clips. I got uh, uh, new pictures of me with uh, a couple of the headliners that I've worked with. Um, if you guys want to check that out, do that. HispanicTitanic.com. There's also hyperlinks there to go onto my Facebook, to go on my Instagram at Puro Papi Pacheco, all one word. P-U-R-O-P-A-P-I-P-A-C-H-E-C-O. Just go to that Instagram, follow me if you haven't already. Let me know what you think of the show. Um come back. We hope to see you soon. We love you guys. Thank you guys so much for rocking and rolling with us, and we hope to see you soon. Have a good day. Bye.